word has its, does its work in our hearts. May we leave changed, more obedient following you. In your name we pray. Amen. So one of the most famous optical illusions in the uh, world that we have, if you're into optical illusions, it's an optical illusion that is called wife or mother-in-law. It was not how I Googled it in, because I Googled young lady, old lady. But when I came, it came up, it said wife and mother-in-law. And the, this optical illusion is one that if you look at this drawing, you're supposed to either see a young lady or you're supposed to see a mother-in-law. Uh, and the way you look at it all determines on how, I guess, you view the world and everything else. Because, you know, on the bottom of it, if you see a young lady, you view the world this way. If you see a mother-in-law, you view it this way, and so forth and so on. And... With that in mind, coming to the text we're going to be talking about today, Peter is going to say, as you live in the end times, here's how I want you to view everything around you. I want you to see this going on in the end times. And so when we think about the end at hand, and we're just going to, go, we're going to hop into the text at verse 7, though, and just do a little review. Because in verse 7 of 1 Peter 4, he tells us the end is at hand. And so when we think about the end being at hand, meaning the time where Christ will return and the end of time and the beginning of eternity is at hand, he says, therefore, be self-controlled, sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. And so what he's going to be telling us is the end is at hand, so be ready and be watchful. Be sober-minded, think clearly, because there's going to be a lot of deception coming your way. Also, he says, show self-control because you're going to be living in a world that lacks self-control. And it's going to be causing and encouraging you to follow every emotion, to follow every little tickling of the heart is going to be sent out. It's almost like he was writing it today. And as we look at the end times coming, he calls us to be prepared because God is coming. And also he gives us the understanding of how we need to love one another. And so the... What Peter is telling us is we are supposed to be readers of the Word of God, digging into the Word of God to understand what's going on. We need to spend more time in the Word and less time digging our bunker in the backyard. And, but it's easy for us to start thinking, you know, because you do any of these things, with all this prepping and everything else that we get in our, in our lives, that we can get so thinking that we need to be prepared that way, but forgetting that the God's Word tells us to be prepared in the Word, to understand when the time is coming. I was thinking about this whole idea that Peter's walking through when the end is at hand, right? We have this knee-jerk reaction, especially us southern, um, sorry, central Wisconsin people, to all of a sudden to think that, you know, the end is at hand, and then we pull out our Never Again Bunker Hill shirt, and if you go, what does that mean, Never Again Bunker Hill? Well, you should all, because you're, you love the history of the United States, you should all know at Bunker Hill, the only reason the colonial troops had to retreat was because they ran out of ammunition, all right, and so if we're never Bunker Hill, what do we do when we hear the end is at hand? Go buy several more rounds of ammunition, right? Because that's what our hope is in, instead of our hope being in Christ. And we can get those things that come just right at us. And all of a sudden then, Peter is writing to a group of people who he's not saying the end is at hand, get ready for the insurrection you need to do. He's saying get, be ready at hand, here's how you to live. And so what can happen is, because remember, we are people of our culture, right? And all of a sudden, when we hear that the end is at hand or, you know, there's trouble coming, how, what do we run to? What do we run to our security? 
And this is what Peter is going to expose for us, how to live with the end times at hand, because he starts off by saying in verse 8, Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. By the way, we have not even gotten into the sermon yet. This is the, the front door of the house. All right? And so he says, remember, first and foremost, love one another. Because love covers a multitude of sins. And he's saying this loving one another comes from the heart. Because this type of loving one another, as we live with one another, as we rub shoulders with one another, we will get annoyed with one another. It's only a matter of time until you're with someone long enough that they get annoying. Like There's proverbs that talk about how fish and friends stink after three days type of deal. And let alone in the winter here, we all get cabin fever and we all start rubbing shoulders with one another. And all of a sudden, before you know it, those little prickers that we like to say in life or those little pebbles in the shoes start rubbing each other raw and we get annoyed with each other. Because Peter here gives us the understanding as we love one another, it will cover a multitude of sins. So these are not sins that we're talking about that we need to... Um, expose and go through Matthew 18 and principles like this. This is those small little things that just drive you raw as you rub shoulders with one another. Because it can be easy to come to church and be annoyed and be agitated with one another. Just be here long enough and you will. You won't like the way someone walks. You won't like the way someone talks. You won't like the way they smell, the way they look at you. All these other things that can be just annoying. I mean, some of you right now might be thinking, if I could only see past the guy's big head in front of me, then I could see him. And all the other things that go on that can just so annoy you that it just drives you away from this. And all of a sudden you get up and you're like, I'm ready to fight someone and I just don't even know why. These things come at us all the time. And then we have this wonderful thing called marriage that we throw into the mix of it and wonder why we have issues as well. So Peter here is going to roll back and saying, with the end at hand... Here's how you need to live. 1 Peter 4, 9 through 11. Follow along as we... Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each received a gift, use it to serve one another. A good steward of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies. In order that in everything, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To Him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. I titled this Spiritual Gift. I purposely did put it in the singular because the Bible's talking here in the singular. But who is he's talking to right now? I want to give us our context again. Remember, he's talking to a group of believers. These are Jew and Gentiles that have been dispersed all over the Roman world. He's calling them sojourners. He's calling them, in a way, just a group of scattered people on their journey towards, as we, as we walk through it, the celestial city, almost on their way to heaven, these sojourners together. So he's speaking to believers here, and he says here in the context, show hospitality to one another. Now this word hospitality is an interesting word, because in the original Greek it literally means love of stranger. Now, in the context you're talking about, well, who is the stranger that he's talking about here? Because there's sometimes in the Bible, this hospitality, love a stranger, literally means the guy you don't know at all. All right? That's literally the stranger down the road you, that's just walking down the road. This is the hospitality. But in the context here, he's referring to the body of believers when he's saying show hospitality or love of a stranger. And so in the context here, the, the context is one who is not in your immediate family. So this is a follower of God. This is another believer. This would be people that, that are not in your family. Now, at CBC, that might be hard at times to find someone that's not in your extended family. But we're talking about the people that are not 
in your family here, but also part of the family of God. And so this would be the one another here in church. And so when we think about this idea of showing hospitality, immediately our minds should go back to what Peter heard Jesus say in Matthew 25, 35. I'm going to summarize it for you real quick. When in Matthew 25, 35, he just says, remember to be kind to others, because as you are kind to others, it's like doing it as to the Lord. You're doing this to God as you do it to others. And so when we think about this hospitality, we have to say, what does this hospitality look like? Well, in the context here, it's talking about, and remember, as sojourners, as as just foreigners in this world, this idea of opening your homes to others in the church. This idea, whether it's through a meal, this idea whether it's through maybe someone needed to sleep for the night, or whether it's a gathering together for fellowship, and you can just list. It's basically saying, here is the home we have, and we're opening it to the other people in the church for whatever they need during this time. And it's interesting here, there's a little phrase at the end that we want to talk about. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. So when, remember, the Bible commands certain things because these, the reason why they command is because by nature we struggle with these things. Like, when you get angry at someone so much, the Bible tells us, do not kill, all right, because you're encouraging you, because there might be times you want to remove that person and send them off to eternity quicker. And so there are times where there's going to happen, so the Bible says, do not do that, because you want to do that, and so we're going to tell you not to. So that means when you're showing hospitality, there's going to be this grumbling that's going to be right there on the surface that could expose itself. Now, I want... Follow through the, with this line of thinking. Go to 1 Peter 5.2. And in 1 Peter 5.2, he's speaking about elders and shepherds of the flock. And in 1 Peter 5.2, he reminds the shepherds. When he says, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you do. So he's literally telling the, sh- the shepherds of the church, as you shepherd the flock, you're supposed to do this not because you have to, but because you want to. Right? This is the same thing I used to tell kids when I would tell them, hey, get, guess what today? We get to run the mile. And they'd be like, no, we have to. And No, 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 we get to. It's a privilege to run today. And this is the mindset that is in our mind that when this hospitality is coming at you, through the believers of the church, as they're coming at you, this is something that you do willingly, not because you sit there and go, oh, great, I didn't know I signed up for this. You know, now I'm a member of this church and these people need help all the time. Oh, come on. All right, these bunch of just, all they need, one thing after. No, this is not how we're to be acting. And we'll get why in a second here. First, 2 Corinthians 9 Seven, when even talking about a cheerful giver, that passage, when it talks about that, it says, what you would, you'd give as a cheerfully, knowing that this is all from God, not because you have to, but because you want to. It's a joy to do this. And so we have to ask ourselves, though, all right, so if we're to show hospitality to others in the body of Christ without grumbling, how do we do this? What are the tools that we need to not grumble when opportunities come our way. So let's just stay in 1 Peter here. Go to 1 Peter 2, 21. Remember the example that was sent for us. In 1 Peter 2, 21, it reminds us here, it says, For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered, leaving you an example, so that you may follow in his steps. 
Christ's suffering was to remind us that he laid down his life for others. He took what was his right, that he could have done. He said, I'm setting that aside for the betterment of others. And this is one of those things where you go, when it comes to hospitality, unless you understand that in order the suffering of Christ was the giving himself for others, I am to follow in that same way of the giving of myself to others when it comes to this issue of hospitality. Now a couple of verses over in 1 Peter 3.9, where it reminds us, Do not repay evil or evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless, for to this you have been called, that you may obtain a blessing. Peter reminds us again that when people are going to revile against you, you don't return with revile. People are going to come after you. You don't return in the same way. What you do is you bless, because that is what you literally have been called to. We have been called out of this world as followers of Christ, not only just to follow God, but to follow Him and to bless one another, and that spills over into blessing even outside of the church. And so, we sit here and go, that sounds great. But you may be saying, but Tim, you don't understand where I live. You don't understand the size of my house, my apartment, whatever. Peter is writing to a group of people that are not living in America. The average home of the person he's writing to is what most of us would sit here and go, that's not even an apartment, let alone a home. These people are living in places where to show hospitality, literally, they'd be giving up their bed. Like the one where, oh, you can be hospitable, you have a chair. And you're like, yeah, where's the other person going to sit? No, 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 you stand while they sit. You know, well, I have to give up my bed. Yeah, well, because even if you had an extra place to stay, it was probably filled with animals of some sort, all right? This is not, he's not writing to a group of people that are just have huge home after huge home because what can happen in our societies, we look and go, oh, hold on a minute. This is for people that have that home. These are for people that have this, or these are for people that have that, and one day, when we finally get fill in the blank, then we will have people over, or then we will do all these other things. Literally, Peter is saying, here, fight that attitude. Because notice he's saying grumbling, because these are putting people out, having someone in. All right, when you go, when we can finally have our home big enough that we don't even know that people are staying at our house, then we'll be hospitable. You're not dealing with grumbling. And so these are these things where Peter's literally saying to these people, you will need to bring one another in as times are getting harder, as the end times are coming, as people need this, because when people come over to your home, here's a couple of things that happen. They use your resources. They probably leave it messier than what you would have left it, right? And sometimes you're like, now I've got to get up earlier and feed more people and do this and do that. And you know what? Grumbling can come so quick. This is not a call to only those who think that they have it. This is a call to all of us. And so what we have to do is we take these commands here to show hospitality one to another without grumbling and say, what does that look like in my own setting? Not what does it look like for that person over there is what does it look like for me and my life right now to be showing hospitality there? And then the question is, when was the last time you had a fellow believer over? Because we're going to talk about, well, when a fellow believer comes over, what are you to do? It's not sit there and gossip about the church. There's actually, Peter tells you what you're supposed to do following here. Point number two here is serve one another. Because notice he goes in verse 9, showing hospitality to one another without grumbling, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. So the second point here is the idea of serving one another with this gift. 
Now, I want to take some time here and just go through three short little just obvious points in this passage that are just screaming right there. Point number one under point two, or A, if you want to call it, is if you're a follower in Christ, you get a gift. Literally, the text says, as each has received a gift. This gift is given to you by the Spirit to the believer. It's a gift given by the Spirit to the believer to steward God's grace to others. So this gift is given by the Spirit to steward the grace of God to others. So in a way, you are a channel. You need to think of a channel here. The gift has been given to you so others see the grace of God. Now, real quick, I'm going to talk about something that... um, just part of living in America and in Christianity. Uh, we really, really, really in America love filling out questionnaires. So what happens is you sit there and you go, I want, I want, why am I the way I am? Well, let's take a personality test. Let's circle in enough little bubbles, and then it'll give you your personality, and you go, oh, this is why you know, I do what I do. Well, it didn't take long before the church world said, hey, look, what if we put a test together? Because we want everybody serving, so let's put a test together that if you fill the right bubbles in, it'll tell you what your spiritual gift is. All right, And so those were incredibly popular. They still probably are to this day. I want to make sure you're clear. I'm not saying those are bad. All right? I'm not saying you've sinned if you've ever done one of those. I'm not saying that at all. That sometimes can be very helpful in some people's mind to get the ball rolling in your mind of like, what are these things? But when you fill out a spiritual gift test, that is not the Word of God given to you. All right, so if you fill out one and you say, I've got this gift, that please do not take it as thus says the Lord, all right? Because here's what can happen. And this is the part we have to be careful with because we need to make sure we understand what a gift is. And then I'll go back to that example. God has shown grace to you in saving you. So we're talking about, remember, these gifts are for various purposes. God has given you the grace of salvation to show it to you, and as you have been richly blessed, we bless others. Hence the term showing hospitality. As we have been blessed, when you're being hospitable, what are you giving? Your resources to others. So now, in light of this, Peter is saying you have been given a gift to bless others through the grace of God. And you do this because you want to bless others, because you have been blessed. So you want to do good to others, and everything you do, you want to be saying, how can I bless others in these situations? So I don't come to church going, how can I receive a blessing? You come to church saying, how can I bless others? As I run and interact with one another, I'm coming, how can I encourage one another and bless one another? And as we start looking for areas of this, we will start using the gift that God has given us and start seeing the grace of God even abounding even more through our community here. But now let's go back to my example of, so you you now take a spiritual gifts test. And let's say, uh, I'll give you an example. We have two guys here. We have Bubba Sr. and Bubba, all right? So Bubba Sr. finds out, he takes a spiritual gift test, and he finds out he's the gift of administration. And Bubba realizes he's got the gift of service. So the call goes out, we need help moving chairs. You know what Bubba Sr. says? Oh, good. I got the gift of administration. I'll just go back there and tell everybody what to do because I'm not going to lift a chair because I don't have the gift of service. That's what Bubba has, right? And before you know it, we start going, well, hold on, I can't do that. That's not my gift. No different than I've literally watched personality tests be used the same way. Oh, that's just my personality. 
You literally stab the guy with scissors. Oh, that's just my personality. No, like that's still wrong, all right? Like that's wrong. You, I don't care if you're an aggressive personality. That's not an excuse. Same thing too with spiritual gifts. You don't sit there and go, oh, I think it mine's... So like I would give you an example. Most likely, if you were to say, Tim, do you think you have a spiritual gift? I'd probably say it's in the teaching world. But that doesn't mean that there was a cracker before church that was in the back there. I didn't go, sorry, I can't pick up the cracker on the ground because my gift is teaching and I would be ruining somebody else's gift if, no, there's a cracker on the ground, Tim, pick up the stinking cracker, right? You know, like, this is what God has called us to do, to be in this together. Yes, there will be different areas where some of us will have more giftedness, but what is the point of that gift? Not to scratch your back and say how great I am, is, but to serve others. And we start looking for this. And the more we start serving one another, the more you start going, hey, look, actually, I think I, this is where something that I'm noticing that God is using me in these areas. And so guess what you do? You keep looking for areas to be used by God and look for other areas to be used. Because as we start looking for other areas to be used, guess what God will do? Use you. So going back to a couple of pointing out here. We are to serve one another. These gifts, as each received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards. Notice this gift is not for you. I've gone over this a a little bit, but I want to notice this gift is not for you. So there is no boasting. There is no thing of like, well, this is my gift, and I think my gift is somehow better than your gift or anything else like that. Peter destroys that this gift is to be stewards of the grace of God. Next part there is, so this gift is a gift from God, this gift is not for you, and this gift is to be stewarded. When we think of the word steward, we're talking about this gift has been given and is to be looked after and cared for so that others will be blessed. It is to be looked after and cared for so that others will be blessed. Notice this word here, we see it multiple times, serve, steward, all are in the same way, even down in verse 11, whoever serves is serving, and this idea of the serve and steward and serving, when we think about that, literally the idea to serve is to meet others' needs. And it was done in varied graces. Notice this idea of varied graces, meaning as I steward the gift God has given me and encourage others, people will see the grace of God through that, and you, as you steward the gift that God has given you, they will see the grace of God in your life as well, different than they would see it the way God has made each one of us differently in His kingdom. So the varied graces of God does not mean that God's grace is varied, but the way it comes to us is varied. So to give you an example of where this starts, the rubber meets the road. So if you have the skill of coming late and leaving early, all right, to church, literally this text is talking to you. When you do not rub shoulders with one another, when you do not rub shoulders in the church with one another, you are robbing the church. Here you're robbing the church in two ways. We are not able to see your spiritual gift that God has given you, giving the various graces to others. You're basically saying, if only there was a parable about a guy who took a gift and buried it in the ground, and then when the master came back, said, hey, look, I, and he said, you could at least stuck it in the bank and made some money, right? There's a parable about that, by the way. And in this, he's saying, listen, your gift, you're robbing the church of us understanding God through your life, and then you're also robbing the church of allowing others to use the grace of God to speak into your life. If you're ever wondering why we need to meet face-to-face, this is a great reason. 
All right, moving on. God has called us to interact with one another. And as we interact with one another, as we encourage one another, as all of the one another commands are being done, we start to realize the body of believers holds each other up. And here's how it's supposed to work. And even moving on this, because there will be days, there will be days where you go, I just don't get it. I don't. I'm done. I'm done with it all. All right. The body of Christ is to come along and to say, we care too much about you to allow you to stew in this stupor. I can see what you can't see. So what I'm going to do is we're going to surround you. We'll pick you up if we got to and say, look to him. Don't buy the lie of this world. This is what we've been called to do. But what happens is we do this. Here's what happens all the time. Somebody's going through some funk. All right. Well, you're all going to go through a funk. All right. Like just life. All right. The number one thing you all do. I'm not going to church because I'm upset. You need to go to church. If this is where you need to be so we can encourage you. But what happens is when sin comes into our lives or all these other things, we, just, we use so many excuses to run away from Christ instead of saying we need one another. We need to love one another through this. Because here's what happens. Back to love covers a multitude of sins. Because you might say, Tim, boy, that sounds really kind of kumbaya and cool. But here's what's going to happen. Someone because of sin, is going to see you're struggling, and they're going to come up with the skill of a rock and try to say to you something that they mean encouraging, and all it did was like, wow, that was offensive, and you were trying to be kind. Because some people just, they do not have the skill of encouragement, all right? But what happens is this. So we just got done with Christmas, right? Those truths that that person just plopped on your lap, may still be true because they're from the Word of God. If you got a package this Christmas and it was wrapped like just trash, how the package is wrapped is not yours. What's in the package is yours. And sometimes we wrap packages and give it to people and you go, boy, that just, that mean like, that had so much teeth in it, you should be a dentist by the stuff you're giving me on this one. Instead of understanding that God is still working this together for my good. But what can happen is we can become so easily offended. So guess what we do? I'm offended because love, remember, love covers a multitude of sins. If I'm offended, well, uh, you know, this hospitality thing, you know, we'll bring over this, per not them. We'll bring over this person and not them. And uh, all these other things. And before you know it, we're going, yeah, we're really hospitable to my friend group. He's talking about the body of Christ. And so what happens is this. We have to start going, well, how do love cover multitude of sins? How do we become hospitable to one another without grumbling? He tells us in verse 11. Whoever speaks as one who speaks the words of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to Him belong the glory and dominion forever and ever. The ultimate goal of the church is the glory of God. So I want to summarize here real quick to just so we can see it all. You have been given a gift, and we have been given this gift to use to serve others, and the grace of God is going to come as we serve one another in these gifts. The grace of God comes through the Word, 
And so in order for us to use the gifts that God has given us, we must be people that are so saturated in the Word of God that when we speak, we are literally giving the Word of God. Now, it may not be a chapter and verse, but the principles and the lessons that from Scripture come, and as we talk, we talk in this way. So notice Peter, though, is going to give two categories here. He says, whoever speaks, you speak as one speaking the words of God. Whoever serves is one who's serving by the strength that God supplies. So let's deal with this first. When it says whoever speaks, this is not saying we have new revelation. All right, I want to make sure clear on this. So it's not like whoever speaks, you're speaking the oracles of God, so that's why you have a couple blank pages at the end of your Bible to keep adding. That's not what we're saying. The canon is closed. It is given to us by God. All right. What he's saying is when you speak, you are not speaking your own words. Yes, they will literally be your own words. But what they are, you are saying that God gave you the wisdom to say the thing at that time. To him be the glory. You don't walk away from a spot patting yourself on the back and say, boy, do I know the right thing to say at the right time. It's all from God. So if you get up there and speak, because guess what everybody says to someone who speaks? Hey, good job. I really got a lot out of what you said. But what are we learning? It's all from Him. Him belongs the glory. So anything that was said, it was just like no different than you paying the hammer for, the one, for building your house instead of paying the carpenter. Anyone who speaks is literally just a tool in the hands of God proclaiming the truth. They speak the words of God. So whoever speaks, what, this is what we do then. So we see one another on Sunday. We're praying before we get here. After you've already yelled at the kids 80 times and you finally were like, we're finally here, right? Like, because most of us right now, let's be honest, you're probably going, when Tim's done, I'm going to go back and fall asleep and then watch the Packers in the afternoon. And I'm just waiting for Tim to get done so we can go back and sleep. It's not my fault you stayed up past 10 yesterday. All right? And so all of these things that are in front of us are left for us to sit here and go, am I going to realize that when I leave here, God, if there is someone that I need to pause and have a conversation with to encourage them on, am I going to do that? Because this is what God is saying. I've given you these things. If you have something to encourage one another with, encourage them. And then you don't leave and go, boy, I am just the greatest thing since sliced bread. No. You say, God was the one who laid it on my heart to share this, the truth with someone else, and we encourage one another. Next, he says, whoever serves... You don't serve in your own strength, because when you do things in your own strength, back to verse 9, you're going to grumble. All right? When you're being hospitable because you're going to go, this is what Pastor Tim told me I had to do, you're going to be grumbling. You will grumble about it. You will go, this is, and just fill in the blank. But what Paul's, Paul, Peter is saying here is that whoever serves, you serve as one by the strength that God supplies. Because when you serve in the strength that God supplies, notice what the text says, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. All this is done for the glory of God. And now in Peter, as he's writing here, I love when the authors of Scripture start writing, and you can tell they just caught up. All right, so he goes, in order that God may receive all the glory, and as if he had just said a word, and then he breaks out in this doxology to him, Belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. He ends. And so what we have is this beautiful doxology that he comes. And to help you out, a doxology, besides the song, a doxology is actually a short praise. Right? That's all it is, is a short praise. Now, we have to ask ourselves, what brought about this short praise? Right, what brought about the short praise was the depth of the theology that Peter is writing through. And as he's writing through this, it's almost like he gets to the point of going, I don't know what else more to say, and out comes this doxology. 
Now, this doxology at the end is a very common doxology throughout the Bible. We won't turn to all these passages. I'll just give you three of them where this literally is the, says the exact thing here. Romans 11, 36 is the same phrase. To him belong glory, dominion forever and ever. This is where Paul, at the end of our Romans 11, he has just spent 11 chapters talking about the beauty and the greatness of God, and he breaks out literally with the same verbiage. Uh, Peter ends his book again in 1 Peter 5.11. To him be dominion forever and ever. Amen. Jude ends his one chapter book with the same concept. Right? And so as you look at these, now this is just Tim speculating. It probably, this was probably some type of song or hymn that was common that they all choose the same verbiage when they get to this. But here's the part I want you to understand. I want you to see a pattern that, Paul, that Peter and Paul and even Jude use. What they do is that they understand this, the revelation of God is what produces praise. So the pattern of worship that they're trying to give us is the mind is impacted by theology and then it pours out to the heart through praise. This is why one of the things we try to do here, and I would say, I think we do okay, but remember we're just feet of clay, so we fall over ourselves with this. One of the things we try to do here at CBC is follow the pattern of revelation, then response. So that's why at the beginning of the church service, I get up to say, here's our call to worship, and our call to worship comes out of the Bible, God's revelation to us, and then we respond as best we can with song, all right? And you're going to go like this, even that, is, is that really worthy of our best song to the revelation we just had? And so this pattern of of revelation and response reminds us that truth produces emotions. I'll even add to that, proper truth produces proper emotion. And so the question then, I'll give you an example. So here we go, back to grumbling. Grumbling is not a proper emotion. So what are you thinking about when you're grumbling? Not the truth. Because when you grumble about being hospitable, what you're thinking about, and this is something that is a running joke in our family, all right, because all of us that are on holding tanks, right, every time the water goes down the drain, that's dollar bills, right? And so in your mind, you can be sitting there going, do you really need to flush the toilet that many times? Do you really need to take that long of a shower? And all these other things like that are going through your mind. These are just things that happen in our world. And then you start grumbling, and then you start holding this, or you're going to go, boy, these people seem to eat a lot. Or whatever when you have them over, and before you know it, you're grumbling because your heart is saying, this is my stuff, not God's. And so that God may be glorified, because to Him belongs everything. And He ends with, amen, let it be. It's interesting, as we ask ourselves, what did we learn today? And we ask ourselves, what does end time living look like? There's three things I just want to point you to. That the number one, that we are to be hospitable, hospitable, or hospitality is something that we are to be known as. Why are we to have this heart of hospitality? Because everything is God's, and everything is His. Because I'm trying not to preach Genesis already because we're spending way too much time in it getting ready for Genesis. You know how the Bible starts? In the beginning, God. So that means everything that comes after is what? God's. So everything you have is whose? God's. Are you going to take it with you? You know how many bullets it needs to take you down for the 700,000 that you have? 
Just one bullet in the wrong place. And who cares about all that arsenal that you had in the back, right? What are we going to do with it, right? What are we going to do with all these things? Someone else is going to take it. And you know what? They won't spend it nearly as well because they didn't have to earn it. And they'll waste it. And what do we do, though? We grumble that someone's using our resources that, guess what? You have the privilege of knowing where your resources are going to the glory and honor of God. And what do we do? Well, that's mine, and they're going to take advantage of it. Oh, I want to say, oh, church, may we wake up and realize that we are to live our lives like this because Peter ends with saying that we are a gift. This gift that God has given us is for others, that the grace of God may be seen in our lives, and at the end of the day, all glory and praise is to Him and Him alone. That's why we come to the communion table here, and we're about ready as Pastor Caleb's going to come up here in a moment and remind us, okay, he's going to give us the revelation of what we're about ready to do, all right, and then we are going to take communion, and it's going to drive in us a response, all right, and so we did an audible this morning, and we decided at the end of communion, let's sing the doxology, because you've been windbagging about the doxology the whole time. Let's actually end with the doxology, and as we end with the doxology, I'd love for you to think through what we're actually proclaiming, because some of us could sing the doxology with our eyes closed, but when we start off with praise God from whom all what? Blessings flow, and we're supposed to understand that all the blessings God has given us, what are we supposed to do? Turn them, and they flow to others. And now you may say, Tim, that sounds real easy. But guess what this table reminds us of? The grace of God that you did not earn. You did nothing to earn it. All you did was bring the sin that was right there for it. And so what we can do is we sit here and go, to whom much is freely given, what do we do? We freely give as well. And this is the mind and the heart and attitude we must have. Because everything in this world is all about you and you and you and you and I and me and all these other things. And then all of a sudden we come to a body of believers and you're supposed to start going, wait a minute, I need to totally change my focus. Because, and I've shared this with you all the t- before and I'm going to share it with you again. Every single store I walk into all week long, it's all about do they have what I want. And all of a sudden I walk into a different structure and I'm supposed to say, wait a minute. Am I going to use the gift to serve others? Everything I do, it's all about serving me. And now I have to have my heart and mind wrapped around going, wait a minute, how am I serving others? What am I going to do to encourage one another? How do I serve the body of Christ that is in front of me? And that's a prayer you need to pray every single day because there's going to be days where there's some of it, it's right in front of you, obvious. There's other not going to be as obvious. But what we need to do is be people of the Word of God so that wherever we go, whenever we have moments, the opportunities to share the grace of God to others, we share it. Now, Peter is speaking specifically in the body of believers, but we know that this spills over into the other areas as well. But he's speaking directly here. But here's the thing. If we can't do it in here, there's no way we're going to do it out there. Now, you may say, but sometimes it's easier to do it out there than it is to do it here. But I would say at first, Peter's telling us we need to start here. So my prayer for us again as a church that we would be known by our love for one another and our encouraging one another to point all to the glory and honor of God. So let's pray, and then we'll take communion. Dear Holy Father, as we turn our hearts and minds to the communion table, help us. There's so many things in the 
text here of denying self and pointing others to you. So may, as we take these elements, may they point us and remind us again of the grace of God that you so freely lavished upon us. And may we be forever changed. In your Son's name we pray. Amen. If you could stand with us as we sing.